Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. And Phil Baker going to sit in with me here uh, today. We appreciate it, Phil. I appreciate you always being willing uh, to jump in there. This is the last of a three-week run for Luke where they're uh, basketball heavy on a Tuesday. So he's with the ACC Network one more time. Uh, and I do appreciate every time that you've been able to do so, Phil. You uh, hopping in here uh, and giving us some uh, some Tim Henderson minutes. I oh, that. yes. That's what we try to do. Go it all back. We were texting. It was actually funny uh, not too long ago about the good old two-man game not too long ago. Uh, right. Another message. So, yes, we go way back when you and Lefko were in that old banky studio in the uh, Blankenbaker Commonwealth drive uh many many moons ago but no no i always appreciate you asking me and not many times can i say i'm uh filling in for luke hancock so uh when you can you can do that he looks he's glistening on acc network he'll be glistening down where's it in dc this year the <laughs> acc tournament so our, our man's right. gonna be making the rounds uh i'm sure in the next uh coming weeks or so as we get ready for championship week which it's late this year. Do you see how late it is this year? I know we really haven't been paying much attention to it with everything happening of the basketball season, but everything's extremely late this year. I wonder why. Like, just like a, the weirdness of the calendar? I mean, are we just is it random? Yeah, so I was looking at over. So usually our, our great friends over at Tailspin Ale Fest have the, a great uh, event over at Bowman Field, and usually that's the final Saturday of the regular season. And then I was looking at Louisville's schedule, and it was like 3-9, I think, is their last game. And I'm like, wow, that's late. So championship week doesn't start until that week with the NCAA tournament, I don't think, starting until like the 17th or, or 18th. Like, that's late. So the national championship is going to be like April 8th. It's late. That is awfully deep into the year. You're right. Yeah, so that, that's uh, what it'll be Nick, on. let's make sure the, uh, the stream is working uh, properly uh, all the way around uh, here uh, as well. Uh, here, but Leah, we've got a ton uh, to get into here throughout uh, the show. Uh, as always, I um, I have, have had to laugh, uh, Phil, at the trying to come up with storylines here when Brock Purdy's not a big star, uh, but kind of is. You know, around these uh, this uh, Super Bowl, uh, he's a freaking quarterback for the Forty ers but he's also Mr. Irrelevant, Iowa State guy. Couldn't be more boring. You know, all that stuff. Uh, but I did not expect to see like people going around saying, I've been trying to figure out who he looks like, and it's Lee Harvey Oswald. Have you seen that? I, I just saw that. So funny you said that. I, I hadn't seen it until you just said Then it just popped up on the Twitter feed for the station algorithm. So it must have been Nick Valvano or yourself uh, looking at it. That's what's popped up. Wow, that's that's scary how much he looks like him. It's, it's, it's creepy. It's off-putting, is it not? Yeah, that's – yeah, because he kind of looks like a police sketch to begin with. Uh, so when you see that, yeah, I, boy, yeah, he needs to find another doppelganger because that's not somebody you want to be linked to. Let's no, right, the, that's exactly right. Not if you're going to be like the quarterback of the 49ers or something. No, not good. <laughs> there, there's a Nick Bosa joke there, but I'm going to let it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to let that one go. You, I'll give you credit for it. Even having not uh, made it, uh, Phil, I know you guys do a Sunday morning hangover. I know you, I was listening to you guys. Uh, and you do lots of fill-in here sort of throughout the week. Mm-hmm. What have you made of the overall reaction uh, to the Florida State game? Uh, and, look, a, a pleasantly, delightfully unexpected win uh, that was also pretty fun to watch all the way through. 
Well, you and Lou, was it you and Lou or you and Biscuit? I, I, forgive me for not remembering which uh, show you were on. It was your odor with uh, Rabot and Co. It, it, it was interesting to me because I, I think, and, and we say this all the time, where it's like you can evaluate the game for itself, and it's a feel-good moment, and I think that's what you and Biscuit were talking about, and being prepared of some of the narratives that may come out of it. Now, as agreement with you, I haven't seen as much of it. Like when people say yeah. that there's things that are just kind of happening out of nowhere, but I, I think we were all kind of prepared for, you know, little little conversation starters like what C.L. Brown put in the Courier-Journal and his column and things like that. And, and not that I, I got crushed a little bit on our show on Sunday for just posing the question because it's one game and it is going to be extremely difficult to um, win the remainder of, the, of these games. Although favorable, it's going to be extremely difficult to do that, but um, I, I was just curious what that conversation is like as a as a whole, and, and that's something that's been fascinating me. Tyler Johnson and what Brandon Huntley Hatfield were able to do, it, it, it was incredible. Like Kelly Dickey said, you haven't seen it before, um, and, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head talking about you have to give credit to Kitty Paid for what he's been able to do with you know people kind of scoffed at it or was I thought he was the big man whisper. Well, he kind of has been with Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Uh, collectively as a team, it's still been very head-scratching. But if you're one, one of those that are looking for positives, you have to be very pleased with what he's done with Brandon Huntley-Hatfield and how he's come on as of late. Yeah, I, I think there, last year got you could almost do, you could grade everything, uh, almost like pass-fail. You know, getting into the specifics of, of almost anything almost didn't matter. It was all so far below and so different and so less than what anyone would would ever accept and i feel like this year actually plays the game uh, of of letting us have a actual discussion about things that are good and things that are bad like ra- rather than just being like do i does this even qualify as what i'm looking for uh, we at least get to talk about this team with are they enough of what we're looking for yeah and, and look it, it's I I heard you talk about how some folks are almost like hesitant to, to be excited. It's okay to be happy and positive after that type of game, but also understand what I don't, this was the conversation we had Sunday. It, it, it seems like it's inevitable, uh, but that was the question that CL Brown posed in his column uh, today that I know had some folks talking about it, but yeah, it, it's, it's good to see what Tyler Johnson has been able to come. I think, he can be a really, really good college basketball player when he's playing like that, and especially he's a freshman, to see what he could look like in the coming years, whether it be here or elsewhere, because uh, just the transfer portal, that's not a slight on if Kenny Payne is the coach or if uh, the, 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 there is a new coach here. I, I'm just operating as if if you are good, uh, people are going to be – you're going to be sought after. And But Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, Tyler Johnson, and even to a certain extent, I've been very critical of Trey White and just sometimes him searching for his shots – having massive rebounds and not searching for his shot uh, in that game uh, the other night. So it was a long game. It was 80 (laughs) free throws, which I was just like, my God, this is never going to end. And the moment Taylor Lynch tweeted out that it was going to be starting around 11 o'clock, I'm like, that is your death wish. The moment you tweeted out that this post-game show was probably going to start around 11, (laughs) added on about 45 minutes. That's that. As Nikki V and I have ran many, many U of L baseball games and Reds games in years past. Oh, yeah. uh, the moment you think that you're going to get off early, that's the moment that you're going to get off and save that for the big stage. Uh, probably about 45 minutes to an hour later. Sometimes, thank God, before the automated system with the Reds. Uh, about an hour, hour and a half hours. Nick Kerr knows that story of uh, just being there, trying to go to his other job and just asking somebody to fill in for him because of a rain delay. So th- these youngs here don't know how good they have it with the automation system with the Reds baseball. Well, we've all paid our dues around here with that. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed, in the words of Omar. <laughs> <laughs> we have all done. Uh, we've had uh, Reds games, gosh, going back to two-man game days and in and, and just ESPN 680 uh, before 93.9 was even born, having uh, Reds games inexplicably go long and there being no show and stuff like that. Yeah, we have all uh, – We've all danced with the Reds one way or the other. Well, yes. Now uh, we know Drew's stance on how he feels about uh, the city of Cincinnati and uh, preempting anything for the Reds. So at least you got somebody on your side for that. I appreciate him uh, and his uh, advocacy uh, for that. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with that uh, anymore. But, hey, since you mentioned uh, the the C.L. Brown piece 
Uh, it's interesting uh, that, that he wrote uh, basically a piece saying, hey, don't fire Kenny yet. Uh, let's wait till we get to the end of the season, which on the one hand is kind of funny just because there really aren't that many games left. I, at this point, looking at a schedule that, that contains how many games uh, that are left with three, six, there are nine, there are less than 10 games left. I kind of feel like we've reached the place where firing him now doesn't make any sense, but it has nothing to do with whether you intend to keep him a day after the season ending. There's only nine games left. The damage is done. Right. Yeah, like we've said multiple times that it would have been after the Kentucky game or the long break that was there, but I have I know where you stood on this stance. Just so that there's no, hey, he didn't get enough time and things like that. I, I understood both sides of the coin on this, but I, I think it, I've said over and over again, get out your bingo card. It, it's more complicated when he's one of your own, and I think that you're seeing it now. So I think we are all prepared for columns like this, and I know people have pointed to the Rick Bozich um, you know, tweets and story that that he've done he's done on WDRB.com. So I think everyone was prepared for stories like this to come out and columns like this to come out. I don't think it matters, but that was why I posed the question on Sunday of just some of what, what are the conversation if it, it's not likely because you've said multiple times whenever they're Never, whenever you're hoping for it's hope versus basing it off anything. The defense was still atrocious in the game. They won. I I want to emphasize that it's a feel good moment of that. But when you see columns like this, it, it it puts a lot of Louisville fans, I think, in a conundrum of like what you said over and over again by going to these games, supporting, feeling good about these games. It's like you're endorsing the overall season, and that's not the case. But you still want to support. Uh, the student athletes that are out there, there's feel good moments for this and what has not been a good season at all. So I, I think Louisville fans, as long as they prepare themselves for columns like this and, and talking points like this to be out there, and I don't mean that from CL Brown, we're a big fan of him, but just for those that think that you know, Kenny Payne still needs time, as long as you prepare yourself for there are going to be some things like this out there in the final nine games of the season, I think it'll make the, the blow a little bit less of like, okay, does it matter and or is there anything that can be done in order to salvage it? I think we're all in agreement that it's going to be a tall, tall task if it can even happen, because even if you do win all the games, it's still not the standard, which Ethan Morris pointed out multiple times. And you hate going zero to that, but when these pop up like that, it forces you to have the conversation. Yeah, if if they were to, like, earlier, like before the season started, or even for a lot of last season, all of these conversations went some form of, well, what if he goes this Record number. Right. Well, you, right. We did that all of last year, and we've done it for pieces uh, of this year. And now it's, well, what if they, whatever, out of these last nine games, realizing that even if they win out, which, let's be real, but even if they win out, they'd be 16 and 15. Yeah. Not, not a tournament team, not barely, maybe an NIT team. Uh, but we're talking about a team that's ranked 180 on Ken Palm overall uh, right now. Uh, and if they were to win out, would probably still be outside the top 100 and be one game over 500. But let's be realistic here, guys. They're not winning out. And and the schedule is backloaded. The point, like, the point is, like, they can get to the end of this season in these this last stretch of games here. And it... Let's say let's just assume for the sake of this conversation, they'll lose the Duke game at Cameron. That should be pretty tough. Louisville doesn't play great uh, away from home. We've seen uh, that, but the rest of these games, like, there's no reason to think that any, that's where we're start like making a mistake. It's wishing of reading too far. Yeah, that, that like you said, you're, you're wishing versus basing it off anything sustainable yeah. that has happened game after game. Now, if they go out with tonight, the conversation. I don't think it necessarily changes, but then you're like, okay, you're building up some data points that you can point to of momentum going in there. The conversation that we had on Sunday, and and look, I know a lot of people don't want to point that. I'm just curious from, and I know you and Biscuit have had this discussion. I, I don't think it's a a massive point, but it's going to be a component, in my opinion, the injuries. And, and I just think that that's going to be something that's like, okay, they were able to win some of these games even with the injury. I don't think it should matter, but I think that's going to be a conversation that is going to be out there. And, and I know CL Brown was kind of tossing that's t- tossing that out there as well of just like, hey, let's look at the overall body of work 
with that than what the bright spots of Brandon Huntley at Phil's. I don't think it matters, but that's something to monitor as uh, you finish out these last nine games. Yeah, a couple of lines uh, from his article. The verdict should not be decided on Kenny Payton's tenure as Louisville's men's basketball coach. How the Cardinals finish out the season should matter uh, in how he's judged. Again, I I don't really think that that's true. Not because I don't I don't mind the idea of the, uh, of still being up in the air about him uh, as much as I just don't think that there's enough left in this season for him to do meaningful things. I'm not even making a decision on whether I think he's capable, you know, of, of them winning out and finishing 16 and 15 and heading to the ACC tournament, you know, over 500. I don't think that that's likely at all. Uh, it's possible, but I don't, I don't think that that's an, at all likely. I would have said last year it's un, it's a, it's impossible. And now I'll just say they're not going to do that. Nothing they've shown up to this point under him shows that, that, that there's any reason to think they'll follow this up with a with an intern performance like that's the thing is the reason we have these conversations all the time they'll do something in a game and it does not in any way represent like a new level right like like now we do these things and we're going to do it this way or this well all the time they that never happens and the proof is in the fact that we're talking about a win over florida state and being rightfully encouraged by what we saw in it for what it was uh, in the exact same way we talked about the miami game which kind of came out of nowhere and was exciting, uh, and was a bona fide good win on the road, and you followed it up by win- by losing the next six games, all in different ways. And there's really not much of a reason, I don't think, at this point, to think that the next six to nine games will be a whole lot different than what we've seen. I think Florida State was just kind of perfect for this group to play. They're the ideal opponent with the way they play this year. Well, in another blurb from the piece, it takes time for a young team to come together. Louisville ranks 307th nationally in D1 experience, according to Ken Palm. Functionally, it should drop lower after J.J. Trainer was a loss for the season with a shoulder injury. It's uh, only to UCLA's 319, Notre Dame's 357 rank um, lower among major conference schools. So I, I just want to prepare, but like this is some things that have been out there with the Trent Flower stuff and then the Dennis Evans. I, I, I'm with you. I want to say I'm just posing the question just for just so we're not just going zero to you know, people. We say this all the time. People go with a zero to coaching search, but just the other side of the question. I, I think I'm in agreement with you, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate of what the other side of that conversation is like from folks out there. I mean, CL Brown is saying that don't judge them yet. It's like, guys, <laughs> I mean, even if they do win out, it's as you pointed out, it's still not the standard of Louisville basketball. And that's the most concerning thing is like once you get further and further away from him. And Josh Hurd said as much. He's not into moral victories. Yeah. So yeah. When, when that, when the season comes to a close and Josh Hurd has that sit down and he's talking with the, the most close confidants of this decision-making process, the why, I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to that. It's the attendance. It's the the lack of folks that are showing up. Uh, I know Double D and Blank were talking about the downtown businesses and the effects yeah. there. I, I don't. I, I'm kind of on the other side. Like, I don't think that's necessarily UofL's responsibility, although it plays a massive role into that. Uh, I, I know that the businesses down there don't want to hear that because the Louisville women's basketball has obviously helped out a ton in that department. But I, I think when you look at the overall tenure of Kenny Payne, it's going to be he, – he was operating as if he had six or seven years when in reality he may have been conveyed some voter confidence that was going to take a while, but no one ever thought it was going to be as bad as it was year one and just kind of this lack of urgency and trying to get things on, uh, you know, th- moving in the right direction I think would probably be the most damning thing when you talk about the Kenny Payne experience. Is that your global experience uh, or your global uh, theory – Right, we're, we're like Stephen Hawking here. We're trying to find like the unified theory of everything Kenny's done and why things have gone the way that they've gone. Is that what you're working on? Is basically your assumption is the thing that makes sense out of every single thing Kenny's done is that he feels like he had just a ton of time. Well, yeah, no, because I mean, I think he said as much. It's like he said it, he walked into a mess. Not all things are the. I mean, they, they was a mess when he took over here, which I mean, Chris Mack had to just be smirking uh, from ear to ear versus the some of the things that he had to take on. And look, I I don't want to say there wasn't anything going on optically from a from a thirty thousand foot view. You saw a ton of folks that how the program was viewed at a national level. And I, I helped our boy Jackie Grossman out on his build a 68 podcast. And I said, tell me about your new friends that you've 
uh, met down in Atlanta? What's the perception of Louisville? And and, and, it, and it's a tough pill to swallow, like the national perception. We know here it's not that bad. But if you're trying to go out to the recruits of the world and try to get the Kenny Paynes of the world and his relationships to get to the top tier guys here, like that was something that he had to combat. But I thought his relationships would um, trump that. And, and that was probably my biggest thing. And you're seeing them offer guys in 2025 in the type of caliber of players that you would want them to go after four and five stars, but it just felt like that needed to be this year. And I think the recruiting is indicative of <laughs> what they, you have on the table next uh, year of just only having like one target essentially. And I don't even know if the, the Billy Richmond kid, uh, or I'm sorry, the other kid from uh, up there has even signed or is, if he's just still kind of a verbal. So it, it just feels as if they're still going out and about doing things, but it just operated as if they were going to be a savior, but it was it wasn't going to be the calm down, Louisville fans. The Kentucky effect overnight with what Cal was able to do with his freshman class <laughs> there. Because I mean, I, I got to be honest. That's I thought you were going to get a dose of that. I thought it was going to be an ejection of like the DJ Wagners of the world and whatever they had on that dry erase board that they accidentally uh, tweeted out. That was <laughs> I thought that was what you were going to get from the get go. Now this class is really really good. Uh, it's not as bad as I know a lot of people want to point out and, and sometimes with the talent, but I thought you would be up there with the, the, the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world. And it should be applauded for what he's been able to do in getting, you know, a top six class with the transfers and, and it being a young team. But that's not indicative of what college basketball is now. And I think he said that in a recent press conference where he said he would probably go a little bit older. And it's like, man, like <laughs> you need to do that this year when everyone was screaming from the mountaintop. Yeah, he. it's funny when somebody makes like a realization or has a realization of something that everyone else in the room already knew, right? right. But that, that is what he did when it comes to the uh, to the transfer portal. For me, I, I think Kenny was wrong about himself, and that's the hardest thing to realize that you're wrong about. Uh, in, in particular, I think he was wrong about uh, the the degree to which people would help him you know, and I think he has let that slip out in places, uh, being a bit caught off. I, I picture him as being kind of perpetually caught off guard that it's it's as hard as it is, be it roster construction, be it, you know, PR management uh, or the recruiting aspect of this. Uh, it's one of the reasons I feel like he didn't make any staff changes is because I just don't think he even wanted to to have to go through that and see who's even interested in maybe coming alongside that. I think he knows. Uh, on top of, I think, just being wrong about if his approach as the head coach makes sense and would work because it hasn't. Yeah, and and, and that's the th- like, and I just think that he's very unself-aware uh, as the head coach uh, about whether it, his big global vision and his way of wanting to do things was going to work. Uh, and I don't, I don't think anything has changed. It's why I just feel like kind of the year three conversation is very silly. Uh, just because even in the win against Florida State, all of the macro issues that we've talked about this team since he's been there, like they were all still there. Oh, yeah, defensively it was still atrocious, yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Like whatever, if, if you want to rightly uh, roast Florida State for the way that they played against Louisville, they gave up nine more points than Louisville did in the exact same game. They put the other team on the line a million times, Louisville did. They also gave up 92 points and only gave up three threes. Like, it, it just so happens, like, they're really good at the one kind of game Florida State really wants to play. It's the only kind Louisville can be kind of good at. And they were still really, again, only good on the offensive end of that game. But I think we have learned, it's, I don't have any discomfort with giving him credit he did bring in some pretty skilled guys on the offensive end. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that's something that should be applauded uh, for Kitty Page's relationship. I, I've, I think I've came to the conclusion, and, and I think I've said this with you before, definitely in the back. I'm not sure on the air. Now more than ever, I, I think at places like, and this isn't a knock on, because, well, Kenny Payne, Nolan Smith of the world, they, they, they've paid their dues in terms of going to – uh, they, they've injected more basketball than than our audience, you and I, Nikki V, could ever. But it doesn't mean – I think you kind of get a, a level up when you're at places like Kentucky and Duke. Though. Like, I, I think you don't have to have – like, what did Ricky P. always say? The, the poor, hungry, driven kind of mantra. Like, a lot of things – 
can you don't have to have that type of I don't want to say desperation because a lot of things fall in your lap and and I don't want to diminish that's probably not the right phrase because I know they are in some battles for this but you, you got a, a leg up on at places like that and, and I think maybe that was what he thought was going to happen here and, and even though you're a top six seven eight program it's still not the top one or two or three and and I think that's probably been difficult pill a difficult pill for him to swallow and come to the conclusion for it's like you're getting fed a bunch of these top recruits. And they got top recruits. I don't want that to be diminished, but it, it still feels like there's a little gap, if that makes sense. Oh, I, I think you're right. I think you are uh, 100% right uh, about that. So, look, I was just kind of interesting to see uh, that article out there, If only, mainly to me, Phil, just because it seems like – well, we, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break here. I feel like maybe we've just sort of missed the window where if you were going to make an in-season move, it even makes sense. But I want to talk about that for at least a, a minute on the other side here. So let's take a quick break. We can open up the phones, uh, and we'll uh, we'll let folks weigh in on that uh, very quickly if they'd like to do so. But I want to talk with you about that, too, on the other side here. On the drive on Nathanville, be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Phil Baker. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Phil Baker sitting in. Uh, here we'll be joined a little bit later uh, by Jason Lockenfor. We'll talk a little uh, Super Bowl, a little the Super Bowl week uh, activities uh with him and Jeff Walls, who has lost a tough one last night. I know Chrissy and Dave had postgame last night for that. Uh, he's going to join us at 4.30, and I love that about him. Uh, win or lose, uh, he makes it a priority uh, to be in here and talk about it. And I know, Phil, he does not believe in good losses either. Uh, so he will not uh, – I there will be no sugarcoating, whatever it is that he thinks about last night at 4.30. Yeah, I was texting with Kern about some other stuff uh, as, they, as his other role with the Louisville Bats uh, promotional calendar that was coming out. But, no, he, he was saying – I was talking to him about the game, and he was saying, uh, oh, Walls was uh, on one on the air and off the air, so as you can imagine. So that is uh, Nick Kern with, uh, with the coach last night. So I'm sure some of that energy will spill over to the interview at 4.30. Yeah, in my experience with Jeff – uh, when he's quote unquote on one, like when 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 people are getting that sense uh, from him, it's uh, when they've lost the game that he thinks they are the reason they lost the game. If when they get beat by somebody uh, who does various things, uh, and he really feels like they did it and they earned it, uh, I've never seen him uh, be reluctant. I think to give the other team credit, uh, but when he's as you were just describing there. Uh, and feisty and uh, prickly about it, it's usually because he feels like at least a lot of it, if not all of it, uh, was something that his team did to themselves. Yes, and, and that was uh, what Kurt said. What did he say to me? He said it was just a brutal, oh, let me get the text, uh, without sending anything. 
That was inappropriate. He just said, uh, yeah, just a bad second quarter and yeah. everything else I cannot uh, read. Oh, there are just some of the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that tells us kind of all we need to know, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Nick said it was a, it was a feisty game and everything. But look, I mean, again, I know you never a good thing is such or never such a thing as a, a good loss. But uh, ESPN two, it was a nationally televised game, and I think ESPN uh, for those that are uh, women's basketball fans in this market have to be very pleased with the coverage that the sport is getting this year and kind of finding their nice little nook on Sunday afternoons as well. Yeah. Uh, especially with the NFL going off. Yeah, in a lot of ways also, I think the, excuse me, the ACC has done what the SEC did on the men's side. Uh, they've been some really nice hires uh, and, and a, just a really nice development of the league as a basketball league uh, to where you know it wasn't like this early on in Jeff's tenure here. Uh, it has gotten a whole lot better uh, since they just since they've joined the league uh, with both Carolina schools and you know, Pitt and Syracuse uh, have been really good. Virginia Tech obviously been really good uh, Florida State and Miami in different ways or to different degrees like a lot of the league has really stepped up it's been interesting that that overall challenge of moving to the ACC I think has turned out to be harder in some places uh, than may, than some of us expected and that Louisville's done better in some places I thought baseball would be in for a much more difficult time overall than they have been. Uh, and obviously, I thought basketball would go a whole lot better than it has uh, up to this point. Well, basketball. and I think I saw Luke uh, retweet this, or he he shared something, maybe some from one of the guys at the ACC Network, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. But just like, yeah, when when you talk about the ACC conference as a whole, and just what Louisville was supposed to do, and it more so from the conference standpoint, uh, the men's basketball thing, it, it's just fascinated to me, just kind of the bad rap it gets. It just, people default to, look, is is it great? No, but I think it's a little bit better than what people give it credit for because when you talk about, like, Virginia was in Joe Lenardi's, and I don't even know why I do this every year. I get worked up by what Joe Lenardi has to say from his stupid bunker and his oversized AirPods, uh, and, and it drives me crazy. But, like, so a team like Virginia not getting the benefit of the doubt. Look, I get it. I know people don't want to hear it, but, like, a team like Clemson. I'm sorry. With Clemson basketballs of the world, people just really don't take your program that seriously. Like, Virginia should have some some goodwill for that, and they're outside of the 68-team tournament, uh, 68 team tournament right now, according to Lenardi. So I, I think with teams like Virginia, and look, Louisville's not carried its weight. That's why I think it's very important them to start figuring things out in the very near future, just with all the uncertainty that you saw over the weekend with the SEC and the Big Ten and, and their kind of alliance uh, that I smirked at. It's just... There's a lot of good things happening in the ACC, and I think a lot of times it doesn't get um, the the good pub that a lot of the other conferences get, but there are some good things happening in all sports in the ACC. It does feel like the ACC is the one that people are free to make fun of and no one, like there's never an advocate for it. It's frustrating, and I hate being, like, you know, we've had this, we hate the conference, you know, the hoisting up of just not doing what Kentucky fans do with, like, Alabama and Georgia. Like, I, I loathe that conversation, but, no, it's like, Virginia's, what, 60-5 to all the year? Maybe 70-5 to now after the beatdown they had last night, and it's like, they're still, I think, as most recently I checked, they were still out of the turn. It may have since changed if he's updated it, but it's like, how? Like, they're one of the, the most dominant teams. I know people, sorry, Locke, I, I know a lot of people kind of scoff at that stuff, but uh, it, it's just wild to me. From football and basketball, it, it is bizarre, just kind of the the non-love that the ACC gets sometimes. And it's like, look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best conference out there, but it's not, I don't know, uh, you know, the A-10. Like, it's not terrible. And yet it is kind of treated that way uh, and talked about that way. It really irrespective of the actual results, which I think is what ultimately drives everyone crazy, uh, that we don't, I think everyone who is a fan of one of those teams, first of all, there are no ACC fans. We both know this. Right. Uh, but fans of those teams like would take this in stride if there was ever a time where people would admit they were wrong, you know, or, or it, talk about them in the exact same way when they are good. Right. And it, that, that's the part that, it, unfortunately, I think that we never, ever, uh, ever get – we before we took the break, Philip, we mentioned, you know, CL Brown's got this article in the Courier today saying, "Hey, basically, like, don't pull the plug now. Uh, wait until the season's over." Uh, in particular, because hey, it's a young team, and now's about the time where they ought to start really making big progress, uh, and we should start seeing a difference. 
I think I I will applaud CL for saying, hey, look, being super young was a choice, and that, that he should bear the results for that. Uh, but then saying basically, look, there's nine games left. Just let him get to the end of the year. They might go on kind of a run. And I just said, look, even if they were to go nine and zero down the stretch, I'm not I'm not doing this again. Also, I'm saying that because I have no fear of them actually going nine and zero down the stretch. Right. But more, but like just more basic than that. There's only nine games left. Does does anyone think they're going to make a move now anyway? Well, I don't. And that's what Curran brought up on Sunday of like the worst case scenario is if if this is in fact the direction you want to go and move on from. You don't want to do the year three route and then just have a DePaul scenario where you you fire the guy mid season when you were just delaying the inevitable. And at this point. It makes sense just to finish out the season. By the way, Virginia, Lynn already updated his bracket. Uh, there's four teams now with the his ACC uh, for the conference. Virginia is with the last four buys and with Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Old Miss. So uh, I wanted to get that correct and give Lenardi that he actually updated it this time. And it wasn't the – Wait, Ole buys. Miss is one of the last four buys? Yeah. They're not a number one seed? Not- <laughs> I thought – I saw Lincoln-Baker said they were the number one seed. No? Uh, th- th- not the- just for him? <laughs> Well, that's the SEC that's just like getting hoisted up right there. And, and I wanted to react to some of the, the Gary Paris out you guys played yesterday, too, because I, I, I think I, I'm in agreement with you. It, it's not likely that's going to happen. This is all based off wishing or hoping that they could do this because although a favorable schedule to close out the year, I mean, it, it's not some just push up like Georgia Tech still beat Duke and Carolina. And right. And so it, it, it looks on paper like it's not the same type of, uh, you know, what the front-loaded schedule was. But I think you're just hoping that they can build off what they saw with Tyler Johnson. And I think, if anything, if you just want to stick to the, the, the X's and O's stuff, I, I think now you know that, like, Tyler needs to be the one and maybe Sky Clark, if he comes back, needs to be the two and see what kind of tweak with some of those combinations. But there's some there's some talent on this team, and I think looking at the, the season, you're expecting to get some wins to close out the season. I, I think we're all in agreement with that. But ultimately, when you close out this, it's still not going to be good enough. Like, I think everyone here, some somebody pointed it out to me. It may have been on LSL, and a buddy said that they, they were listening to one of our shows here, and he called in and said they were looking at, like, somebody like LSU in football and or, um, God, who's another, like Georgia, and if they had some down years from the football side of things. Would this be ex- would this be acceptable if they won some games in there uh, to close out the year, or would they fire a coach? And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Like if that's the standard for Louisville basketball being a top six or seven, eight program, then you have to make the top six, seven, eight. You know, you, you got to make those d- difficult choices to say this isn't what the standard is for that. And I know I sound like a broken record of what Ethan Moore said over and over again. But those are the difficult choices, alumni or not, that you're just going to have to make because this isn't you're, you're fighting for Final Fours and national championships at a place like Louisville, not just getting into the tournament. People were going to give you the grace this year to say, hey, get to the tournament. That's the minimum. With the budget and the resources that you have here, you can be one of the 68 teams to make the tournament. And when you're not even sniffing that, that's when it becomes problematic, regardless of what situation you've in, said you inherited and whatnot. People just aren't going to have time for Oh, yeah, to your point, like if Kalen DeBoer wins like three games this year, they're going to be calling for his head, and rightly so there. Like Kirby Smart, alum of Georgia, if he had first year was, you know, two and ten, they wouldn't be, I mean, they may give the grace of the one year, but you can't have back-to-back years that are that poor, even if, like you said, alum or not. Not, no, you can't, there's no, if they were to go three and nine, he would probably get fired in one year. Right. Just because he's, Walking into something obviously utterly healthy, uh, and people would be able to look at that. And so, uh, I understand sort of the comparisons and contrasts uh, there uh, with here. I just feel like it, with nine games left to go, you gain. No, it's now flipped. Like I didn't think you gained anything from keeping him, and you could have at least sort of taken the pressure off uh, and let everyone just sort of feel like there's no hesitation about rooting for the players down the stretch. Uh, but now that we've sort of grinned and bore this much of it, which is nine games left, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of value in even having the conversation about making a move before the end of the season because it's almost over at this point. Well, and look, I know people point to the Karan Davis stuff and how head-scratching that whole thing's been and just 
the bizarre press conferences at times and everything. But by all accounts, with that being said, the players, when talking about Kenny Payne, what's been the one common theme there? Like, it, it, it's not the Bobby Petrino toxic thing. And I know people are going to save the tweets or the text about Karan Davis. I understand that is an extremely bizarre situation that just puts a spotlight and shines a spotlight on. He's the guy still going to games. Sofro did a YouTube thing about it. And I'm like, you do you, Sofro. If you want to spend your time and energy on that, have at it. But it, it's, you know, it, it's funny to me because when we go back to just the Kenny Payne experiment of just the bizarre off the, the court stuff, I understand people will point to the certain things, but when you saw Sky Clark and Brandon Huntley Hatfield and, and how they talk about Kenny Payne and not losing him, um, or not he, him not losing the team, I think it was after maybe the Kentucky game. That's probably what Josh hurt in my in my uh, estimations. Why he gave him or is probably going to give him the remainder of the year because it wasn't a Bobby Petrino situation where he hasn't lost the locker room, even though it seems like everybody and their mother wanted Karan Davis to come back except Kenny Payne. Uh, he hasn't lost the locker room, and I think that's ultimately it's like, okay, let's just play this out. It, I've said it over and over again. That's why it's more complicated when you're doing business with family versus just some peeling the Band-Aid off of some random guy that you've, you know, it's more business, and that's why I think he's going to get the remainder of the year. 8150939 is the number if you would like to get in here. 3831939 for the uh, UPS jobs text line. Certainly agree, uh, Phil. If <laughs> this is just bear with me here. In there's one thing that I if, if Kenny probably had like a, a magic wand, it really would be true. If this was his first year, all of this would feel very different. The, the 7 and 15 is not good, and we'd be mad about it, and especially some of the early things. But if you could compare the team and the way they're playing kind of now to the way they looked against Arkansas State or DePaul, or the, like you would be able to be like, I can see where this thing is going. Yep. But the fact that there was a whole other year of this beforehand, uh, that we've only made it to this point, now makes it look the exact opposite of that. Instead of it looking like we've made some, some decent progress in a short period of time, it's like we've hardly moved at all because we've actually been doing this a lot longer than, than it sounds like. No, no, I agree. And I, I think that's the most head-scratching thing about all this. And when I go back to the, the no sense of urgency of, I, I don't know if there's assurances that were made. I don't know if what in his mind felt as if he was operating like he had a longer runway here than it feels like he has. Maybe Josh Hurd didn't think there was only going to be four wins in the four and 28 stuff. I, I would be fascinated if Kenny Payne, if if he did allow Karan Davis to still be on the team, what that looks like, because all the former players, uh, was it Elijah Bahabit even said, it's like the guy can flat, uh, flat out play. He's good uh, and could help this team. It, what that looks like, but that's not the case. And he says he's gonna, he's not gonna cave in to trying to get some wins. And when he says that it's not about wins and losses, which I know is pouring gasoline on a fire for the fan base when they hear that after a four and twenty eight year. Uh, that's why I think if it, if he had a Syracuse year, right? If you were sitting at fourteen and eight on the year, which I know you just said seven to fifteen, but it was year one, and you're like, okay, building toward it, right in some games regardless of what you think about Texas and the one-point loss and the Indiana and the he-tricked-me stuff and being right there with some of these, maybe they're, we give them the brand bump. I always say that with the Texas of the world or even Miami coming off the of Final Four. We don't know how good they are this year. They don't look very good. They haven't looked good lately. But, but you would give them the brand bump. It's like, well, that team was in the Final Four last year. You know, like that. If that were year one, you would give it a little bit more grace. But the fact that it's year two and the losses that you had going back to the Kentucky Wesleyan game and the Arkansas State, and I, I, I'm sympathetic to the injury stuff because that, that does matter. But you are losing these games with a full roster. <laughs> like a, a healthy roster, but it's the Trent Flowers stuff. So now it, it, it's becoming, and, and I'm like you, I, I don't like going zero to uh, speculation on the injuries. That just feels gross, and I don't even want to do that. And I'm taking it at face value of like these guys are, that they are they are injured. I'm not going to do this hypothetical, the cesspool that's on Twitter saying that they're not. But if I think Kenny would have gotten more grace if he had the injuries and the record was re reflective if, um, and this was year one. In his eyes, it is. Uh, but that's the problem that he faces right now, and he's not doing what the Syracuses of the world have done or Damon Stoudemire in Georgia Tech or Micah Shrewsbury's done. He hasn't had that one rant um, that Micah Shrewsbury had of, like, you know, you're not going to play 
from that. And that's what I think so many people were clamoring for. And that's why it was a feel-good moment on Saturday. I don't want to just keep poking on the negatives, but so many folks were clamoring for a type of game like they had on Saturday against Florida State. And that's okay to feel good about it because and I don't think it changes any of the underlying uh, things that the season is or what the future of the program is going to be, big picture. But it's okay to feel good about that, especially with everything you've had to endure as a fan for the last two seasons. It really is remarkable. Uh, and we're going to get to the end uh, after this season, and, and I'm confident that will be the end of things. But we're going to get to the end, uh, Phil, and somehow Karan Davis really is going to be one of the most consequential players of Kenny's short tenure here uh, for a number of reasons. One, uh, as emblematic of just kind of the somewhat failed recruiting uh, overall, you know, in, in the time that he had to bring uh, players in, but also for the fact that other things that he could be in charge of or tell us about or, or control the messaging of because of every, because of how badly things went with Ron Davis. That's why you're talking about like injury speculation. People feel totally fine. Just being like, ah, it's probably something else. Because of what happened with Karan Davis. Like, everything about Karan Davis has made his life more difficult. Oh, yeah. No, I, I go back to the athletic piece. I know you had the individual on uh, Brendan. Brendan Quinn. Yeah, and, and I think it was just such an objective deep dive. Like, regardless, and I'm we've talked about this in the back. Like, whenever it comes up with the coaching search, like, we, we I got a tongue verbally in cheek say, okay, so whenever I hear a name that's new to welcome to the party, is it, the, the Ed Cooley field of 68 guys, like the relationships with it. This guy has no dog in the fight, uh, Brendan Quinn. Like he just came in and just called it the way that he saw it. And and that was probably the the, the biggest takeaway of just Karan speaking, I, I Josh Heard, the anonymous player speaking, and just kind of the experiment as a whole with Kenny Payne of just like, it's just head scratching. And it felt so avoidable too. Like he tried to take the high road on a lot of things and you were <laughs> negotiating with uh, an individual who's like, nah, I'm going to throw the chaos grenade in there and, and shake things up and still attend every game. And by all counts, Mike James is going to some of the games, uh, the women's games with them. So they're still friendly with the guy. And I think Kenny Payne even said that he was still living in Denny Crumb Hall, I think, which has to be an awkward and you'd imagine the coaches are over there a lot. I'm assuming he's still over there. I think that's what Kenny Payne said, uh, that he was still living there to close it out. I think Brandon Henley Hatfield said that. But, yes, it is going to be the most head-scratching thing of just the overall experiment, minus the the, the, the losses that have been out there that have been piling up. It, it, it is just going to be this. And especially with how thin the roster is now, by all counts, it felt like he could have helped them too. So um, it, it, it's it's fascinating to me, and I know Leaves has told us some stories about guys getting into it on the court. So it seems like the normal at high-level athletics uh, for guys to kind of get into it. So that's what was so shocking when it warranted him getting kicked off the team. Yeah, it's obvious to me that the rest of the pl- – whatever Kenny was afraid of, like the downside of Karan Davis's presence uh, being to the team, the players don't seem to have that fear of Karan Davis uh, or concern about being associated with him uh, at all. Can we get uh, squeeze Bob in here before we get too close to the top of the hour break here? Bob, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive on Thunderville. What's up? Well, hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I haven't read the C.L. Brown uh, article, but I'm going to. But my question to you all, uh, because uh, I really think Louisville needs to, to move on from Kenny Payne. I love him. He's one of ours, but still, we got we got to get another coach. Uh, but I guess my question is, what if Louisville wins what five of their next nine games? Uh, would that uh, would that endanger uh, Josh Hurd uh, to keep Kenny Payne for a third year? I mean, I know the KP Mafia is out there, uh, and they want Kenny to stay, and, and that's my fear. Uh, and I want Louisville to win every game that they can, but there is the fear that if they win several, you know, they'll want him back for a third year, and I just think that would be detrimental to the program. Anyway, I, I just leave it to you all to answer the questions. Thanks. Yep, I appreciate that. Look, if they go five and four down the stretch, they'll be twelve and sixteen, uh, with one of the easiest schedules you'll ever see. Uh, even the ACC schedule is is they didn't get Duke and Carolina twice. You know, like this is not a brutal ACC schedule, and they 
baby, baby, baby dumbed down uh, the non-conference schedule and still uh, fell apart in it. Uh, if they went five and four down the stretch, it's five and four against nine of the easiest games they're going to play, uh, and they would be well below five hundred again. Phil, they'd have to go. They they got. They would have to be astronomically different. They, not only would they have to win out, they'd have to be playing like in the ACC semifinal or something. Because here's like the the thing about uh, if they make some sort of super duper progress this year, like let let's just say they they win out this regular season. We're going to DC and we're they're sixteen and fifteen, and we're talking about them as like one of the hottest teams in the country and all this stuff. And all these players, what about next year? There's no guarantee any of these guys comes back next year. Even if he's still here, right? We've seen that with 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 Trenton Flowers and like this situation. Like, there's certainly no guarantee. If anything, they'll probably be pretty targeted, I would think. And they have no one committed for next year. It would just be far too big of an assumption to make to be like, well, I'm sure he'll have a good roster again next year. We're keeping him. It's the, it is not happening. Well, and look, yes, we're all speaking in hypotheticals of what I mean, there hasn't been anything sustained. That would warrant any sort of you, you think they could even go on a multiple game winning streak because you haven't seen it before, uh, especially in conference play. So I, I think what it goes back to is, yes, the recruiting is damning um, from a standpoint of no one is on there. And I know there's some scuttle out there that it's like, oh, Carter Knox wants assurances that Kenny Payne's going to come. In. Well, the world doesn't work like that. And, and I'm sorry, you know, if if uh, Rick Petito has been burned at the altar multiple times from, you know, big-time recruits saying that they were going to come here and, like, could put together, honestly, a what-if team of guys that were in the running to go to Louisville and or possibly be uh, considered to be one of the folks that, uh, you know, what going back to D'Angelo Russell, Rajon Rondo, uh, all these individuals that could have or were in the running to possibly be here, like, you can't be, I don't want to say held hostage by somebody like Carter Knox just on wishing – that you could put together a recruiting class from this. But, yeah, it, it would take a lot, and I don't think anyone's operating in that space, especially the two times Josh Hurd has, has talked with Eric Crawford of WDRB. He said he's not into moral victory. So it, it's going to come down to wins if Josh, and he says by all counts, and people that are close to him uh, that have better relationships than uh, I do have said that he's not going to have his hand guided one way or another. He can work in the space where he can make decisions on his own with uh, the folks that are out there. Um, yeah, yes. I, I think the the what uh, Josh does not say matters as much as what he does say. And what you never hear from him is uh, big promises on Kenny's behalf, either to Kenny uh, or about what Kenny's going to do. Uh, it's just always, it's not good enough, and I know that. What can we do to make it better? Uh, and I, I think that that matters uh, <laughs> as far as like an insight into what Josh uh, is saying. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back, keep the phones open. Uh, I want to play some funny audio uh, about uh, from Radio Row, which is not an easy thing to manage. So we'll talk about that uh, from the Super Bowl and a little bit about that Super Bowl on the other side here on The Drive on Ithan the Bell. Be right back.